You're listening to the Lakeshore Records Podcast, and I'm your host, Tony Giles. Joining me on today's episode is Alex Summers, composer of Captain Fantastic. Joining me now on the Lakeshore Records podcast is Alex Summers, composer of the recently released score to the fantastic, pardon the pun, Captain Fantastic. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm really good, thanks. Good. Yeah, how are you? I'm, I'm not too bad, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be able to speak to you today. Um, if we could, before we start talking about Captain Fantastic, if we could just go back a little bit and uh, get some information on your musical uh, background uh as as it relates to film music uh were you always a fan of the music in films yeah i think so definitely um i you know had some soundtrack albums growing up and uh some henry mancini and john williams and some uh other more like embarrassing teenage stuff but um (laughs) yeah i was always kind of into it and actually um after high school i went to berkeley college of music and my major there was film scoring and I'm not really sure why I did it. I was, cause I didn't, didn't really think of it like in a super linear way that I would really use it in that way. But it's funny that I've now been doing some more scoring stuff the last few years and it's, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's funny how things kind of come around. Uh, you know, you never know what life's going to throw at you kind of thing. Um, I mean, you, you, you've always played music um, in bands and various other projects. Was film music, kind of something that you saw maybe in the distance at some point? I think it was always like an, inev- an inevitable thing that I thought I would always kind of do at some point. Like I didn't really know in what context, you know, just some like super weird abstract stuff or some more traditional scoring kind of stuff and yeah. kind of enjoy both. And I would like to keep it that I could do both and because they're a really different process and different kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it was kind of inevitable that I'd get into it at some point yeah who were some of the people that you were influenced by uh you know kind of when you're when you're on this course when you're when you're learning film scoring were you listening to composers well not so not so much now um i think i'm just trying to do my own thing to try to to not know anything and just like discover stuff and experiment in the studio and basically my studio is like a a big rectangle and i just have all my favorite instruments around the perimeter and I just yeah I kind of shuffle from instrument to instrument and try things and I also use like samplers a lot in the computer and and then we'll do sessions with a string section and have friends come into my studio and play and yeah yeah I think it's less about being influenced by other composers and more kind of influenced by their attitude or their approach and then try to just discover my own thing in the studio yeah is it like a a constant thing for you where you're always not necessarily working on something but always working yeah definitely yeah i'm always trying to do something musical in the studio and whether it's um you know writing stuff on my own or 
you know, this year on and off, I've been writing songs with one of my best friends here in Iceland and also really often work with Yomsi, you know, doing something. And so, yeah, there's always like some kind of project brewing. It must be, uh, yeah, it must be fantastic having your own uh, area to go and do this stuff. You know, if you, you know, something's inspiration strikes you at any point during the day, you can just go and, oh, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, it took a long time to get my own space, but I've I've had my current space for like three and a half years, and it's I'm really lucky to be here. It's it was um it was originally built as a theater. Oh wow! So it's it's um has like a nice vaulted ceiling, and it's all wooden, and sounds good, and has lots of windows. So it's yeah, it's a, it's really nice to work here. Is that where Captain Fantastic was recorded? Yeah, that's really cool. Did you come up with the basically? Did you come up with the entire album uh, in the studio? For the most part, um, yeah, pretty much. I was in Los Angeles a little bit last year when during some of the writing stages. So I had like a, a, a really small little portable rig and I did some vocals with Yonsi and some vocals with my friend Sindri in Los Angeles. And I maybe, I tweaked some of my work. I would like, you know, bring up stuff that I'd recorded in my studio and maybe was like mixing it and redesigning it and kind of working to picture with that stuff so yeah, some of the work was done in Los Angeles, but mainly here. Oh no, that's really cool. How how far in the process of the creation of the film were you brought in? Pretty early, actually. Um, I first met up with Matt Ross. I think it was like February 2014, and uh, yeah, we just had like a really nice uh, kind of hangout session, and he brought this really cool like homemade scrapbook that was all like cutouts and drawings and and writings and things that that was kind of influencing him in in this story you know and and the movie and the kind of the art direction and the look he was hoping to get and yeah he's like a really the way he approached it was really like whole he really wanted to like kind of create a world and he wanted um to bring in the composer like before they had even started shooting or before they started editing he that was like his dream but for like for practical reasons it didn't end up going down that way so i think I mean, I had, it was really unstressful. I had like a year oh, wow. or something or like almost a year, maybe Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a super long time and I would do a bunch of music and then send it and then maybe not work on it for a month and then do it again. And so it was yeah, super relaxed, which is super unusual for <laughs> any kind of scoring project. So that was really yeah. nice. It's not something uh, I hear uh, very often when interviewing other composers. I usually hear the, uh, oh, I had a week to compose or, uh, you know, a month at most kind of thing. Right. No, this was really cool. It was really great. And then like, it was nice to send stuff and Matt would have a little bit time to listen and watch it to picture. And sometimes he was super satisfied and other times he suggested like alternate things or, which was, yeah, really fun to collaborate like that. Did he have much input uh, when you were first brought along? Did he give you kind of any idea of how he wanted his film to sound? Um, I think he tried not to like lay on too much in the very beginning so i would kind of have more of a blank canvas but i think we spoke generally like he wanted it to be kind of dreamy and organic and raw um you know kind of emulate with the family so it's about this family who's kind of living off the grid in the middle of nowhere and they're kind of these like super back to nature so i think yeah the score wasn't going to be you know a synth score or something you know it's going to embody that kind of no, I mean it. Uh, it totally. It's a very immersive record, 
because um, I've, I've been listening to it. Invader have released the score on vinyl, uh, and I just got a copy last week of it. So I've been listening to it primarily now, uh, actually on vinyl. And uh, it's one of those things where it just, it, it sounds fantastic anyway, but having, you know, the whole package and just sitting down and putting it on, and, and even though it's a soundtrack, listening to it as a record, it, it really sucks you in. It really does bring you in. I think after the score was already done, was when I started to assemble the soundtrack album. And so, yeah, I kind of took a few liberties and there's, there's some music on the album that's not in the film stuff that I either wrote and then we ended up scrapping it or stuff that was like alternate mixes or something. And so I definitely wasn't like tied down to how it was in the film. I just kind of tried to make it work as a, as an album, you know, so.
Um, you, you said you had like a long time to work on the score. Did you find yourself kind of not second guessing yourself, but you would because you had you know a certain amount of time to live with some things? Did you find yourself going back at any point and thinking oh, I could I could change that a little bit, or I could maybe do this a little bit differently? Yeah, I think so. At first, I was really psyched about having so much time, but maybe the last few months I was was nervous that because you have so much time yet you can maybe overthink it and sometimes it's it's good to find the sweet spot where you have enough time to exhaust all your ideas but then it's like done and you're like ah oh. but um yeah so maybe that happened a little bit yeah i mean you've, you've worked on um uh quite a lot of film stuff and tv stuff recently um i really like the uh young and alex stuff for manhattan the tv series Oh yeah, thanks. That's uh, yeah, that was super fun. I mean, how how does that work when you're working on a TV series? Do you just get a blanket amount of right? We need sixty minutes of score, or you know, three hours worth of score. Well, that project was like totally done to picture. We just basically scored each episode. So, if, if I remember right, the first episode we actually had like five weeks, really long, and then so we like really took our time and kind of wrote a lot of the themes that ended up being reoccurring throughout the series. And then the second episode, we had like two or three weeks. And then after that, it was a turnaround every seven days for the rest of the series. <laughs> seven days. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, that was like, it got really stressful. But I think that's just the life. If you, if you score a TV series, that's what you have to do. So I was surprised as like, I would have assumed that when you watch a TV series, that it's something that's fully made, mixed you know, completed and then they publish it or whatever, yeah. but it's just all being made in real time. They're editing, <laughs> they're shooting. It's all, it's crazy. Like yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was crazy. There were some really late nights and like, yeah, I think we would have like three days, then we'd send our first draft and then uh, the director or the creator were the two people we were most involved with would like come back with what they were liking and what they wanted different. And then we'd have another like two days or three days to like revise. And then that was, kind of delivered it and yeah. that was it do you enjoy working like that sometimes i'm really glad i got the experience i wouldn't want to do it all year round like only scoring tv shows because it's different and it's yeah you feel like pressured and all that which can be healthy but yeah i wouldn't want to do it forever yeah no i can imagine it must be a nice challenge every once in a while but but all the time is is it wouldn't be fun yeah yeah it's rough i mean your work with uh, Yonti and Alex, yourself, uh, your work with Sigaras as well. There's, there's kind of, for lack of a better term, um, almost a glacial feel to some of the music they've produced. And is that a case of the environment you're in affecting you? Because I mean, Iceland is one of the most fantastic places on earth. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I feel like I've always been drawn to this kind of like slow moving melodic music that often just skips percussion or skips the you know lead vocal or whatever and i don't know yeah i've always kind of been drawn to that sound and it's kind of always filtered through what i'm working on whether i'm producing or mixing or writing and um i think the people of iceland have just influenced me more to be ambitious and go for it and stuff like that i think cuz it's a small small nation here and everyone you know works really hard and seems to just try to yeah follow their path and go for it whereas in the states maybe the world seems really huge and like you could never get a foothold on anything <laughs> yeah yeah or something kind of desperate but yeah i like that vibe here it's really cool how how long have you been there now uh i've been living here since 2005 oh wow well wow. you're practically a native yeah pretty long time <laughs> yeah 
with the story uh, for Captain Fantastic, did you, when you, when, I'm assuming that you were given a script or a very much an idea of what the story was going to be before you started composing? Yep, yeah, I read yeah. the script. How, when you're reading the script, do the ideas start coming straight away or is it something you need to sit on and live with for a little while? Yeah, I think I didn't really pre-think anything. I just thought the story was cool and I liked like the attitude of the family and, and what some of the things they stood for. And I, I liked, you know, talking to Matt and I feel like we were on the same page. So I was excited to do it. But no, I, I'm not. No, I just start when I sit, sit down at the piano or sit at any instrument and just start noodling and try to tap into something. That's kind of how most of the ideas started. Really. It's very different from the other film work you've done. And is your approach different every time? Does it does it purely depend on the source material? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like, when you're just noodling around in the studio, um, that's always the same, you know, just goof, goofing off and doing overdubs and all that. But I think when you start, like, the writing approach, yeah, it's pretty dictated by what the picture is, right? Um, if it's a scoring project, like... Like the Manhattan TV series, for example, was like, you know, really dark. We wanted to make that as moody as possible and like kind of gritty and distorted and blown out. And kind of that wasn't the vibe on Captain Fantastic. So I think just knowing that going in, yeah, you maybe have a little bit of a different headspace. You know, I wanted Captain Fantastic to be a little bit more like wondrous and kind of excited but understated or something. No, 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 I completely. I mean, those those are the exact kind of emotions that it, it it comes across that way. It's almost kind of like a fairy tale ish in a way where it does have that playful quality uh, to the music. Yeah, that's definitely kind of what I hope to make it kind of fairy tale because their family, it's totally fairy tale, you know, just living out in the nature. It's like, it's kind of the thing that we all think we want, like, God, how amazing would it be just to be living in like tents in the nature and like, you know, harvesting your own water and crops. And like, it sounds so beautiful, but then the reality is it's actually probably really difficult to actually do that and be happy and thrive and was always working on you know making it as composed as possible and tight without losing any of the details that he worked so hard to put in there and yeah that was kind of cool to see that evolve but from what I saw it never changed radically you know he never was in a position where you know he had to totally you know tweak it yeah were you are you still a fan of the film yeah definitely I think I liked it more and more as it went and I think um I went to the premiere in Sundance Film Festival in the end of January. And I think that's when I liked it the most because often when you, you know, do music to picture, you're uh, looking at something that's really rough, like the dialogue might be like really badly recorded or the the sound effects aren't the real ones and and it's not graded, the picture. So I think it was, yeah, for me, I was really pleasantly surprised like how everything had more impact when you watch it in a good 
movie theater with everything looking and sounding its best. How was it watching the film with an audience as well? It was cool. Yeah, it was really nice. I don't know if it's normal because I've never been to a film festival, but afterwards everyone like stood up and clapped and seemed like yeah, it seemed like it was received really well. And no, no, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it, cool. it generated a huge buzz ever since then. Uh, you know, kind of thing, and, and people have been waiting to uh, waiting to see it. How was it working with a writer director? Did was there kind of I don't want to say was there any limits placed on you, but was there kind of a sense of this is very much Matt's movie? Well, he, he I mean, he's so like humble and down to earth and cool. He's like super not presumptuous in, in that way. I think even though he was writing and directing and he surrounded himself with like really cool people who were kind of behind his vision. And um, yeah, I think I was just one of those people who want, who like thought his idea was really cool and wanted to help bring it to life and I, yeah, I didn't have any issues with that. No, it's, it's so cool when you hear things like that. You know, like you, you kind of you read things sometimes where oh, the, the director was this or that. So it's it's always nice when you hear like everybody had a great time making this project and everyone pulled together to try and make it the best thing it could actually be. I think so. Yeah, especially I mean, from my end, I have like a pretty limited view. But like, you know, we had a, a music editor named Jennifer Nash and a music supervisor named Chris Doritas and you know, th- those were the main two people I was dealing with and they were so cool, like really wanted to make my experience as good as possible and really helped a lot, like, you know, make me made me feel as good as possible about doing everything and it was yeah, super cool. Oh, that's so, that's so, that's so great to hear, it really is. Um, I mentioned earlier that I've been listening to the album on vinyl now. Have you actually seen the vinyl package from Invader? No, I haven't. I'm really psyched to see it. Okay, you need to get one of them because, I mean, it sounds fantastic, but it looks amazing as well. Um, are you are you a fan of vinyl yourself? Yeah. And I do feel like there are certain titles that lend themselves to a vinyl release, and I think Captain Fantastic is definitely one of them. And uh, it kind of would have been criminal if it hadn't come out. So I'm really glad that Invader actually, you know, are putting it out. And, and they've done such a great job with it as well. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, it wasn't my idea. I don't know who had the idea to get it on vinyl, but I was really excited when I heard that. And um, They sent me a test pressing, and I went to a friend of mine's house who's like this crazy vinyl perv who has like this insane <laughs> turntable and power amplifier that he built himself and it's all like right. cr- like really next level and we listened to the test pressing yeah we all thought it sounded pretty good so i'm excited to to see the artwork yeah on the artwork yeah like my really good friend um inga inga biggest out there she did did all the artwork and then i did like a little i did a little like lithograph that goes inside yeah 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 i think i think fans are really gonna flip out when they see it yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I get really obsessed with all the details. Like it kind of um was like a little bit of an issue because I was asking for so many weird details. Like <laughs> I asked if we could have the all the edges rounded on the oh, vinyl. Right, okay. And and, <laughs> and then if we could print on the reverse side of the paper, which is like like reverse board matte. Yeah. So it like it looks way more matte and feels better in your hands and a few other like weird kind of aesthetic details and it I of course made the album like cost way more to manufacture, but <laughs> hopefully it's worth it i did wonder who made the album rounded because it's the only album i now out of the thousands it's the only <laughs> one i own that that is shaped that way but it stands out so uh you know it, it does uh it does, does add that extra little bit of a uh, little bit of cool to it so uh yeah <laughs> what's uh what's coming up next for you alex um i'm actually working on a project with this filmmaker named bill morrison he's a really cool guy from new york who um he kind of finds like found footage, like really old, weird, crusty films. And then he, he kind of weaves a story through them and puts out these documentaries. Um, 
I think his most known one is called Decasia. That's a really neat movie. Um, and he's done, out. yeah, he's done like loads of cool stuff. So I'm working on um, working on something with him that should be done this year. Cool. The next next few months, and yeah, I'm also making some music with my friend Sindri, who whose band is called Sinfang. We're just writing songs together and seeing where that will go. And no, oh, that's really cool. Well, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled because I I'm I'm a firm fan. I'm a I'm a firm. Alex Summers believer, I really am. Um, so uh, it's something that I'm going to be looking out for, no doubt. Yeah, thanks so much. That's cool, awesome. No worries. Listen, Alex, thank you for spending so much of your time with me today. Um, Captain Fantastic is out now on vinyl through Invader and digitally and on CD through Lakeshore Records. Thank you again, Alex, and I hope you have a good evening. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.